And we are live back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns. As usual, I'm joined by the Autism Sage yourself, Mama Baden. How are you? I am great. That's all I can say. I am great. I took a mental health leave day from my own <laughs> workplace. And I'm doing good. It's amazing when you just take 24 hours to say, I'm not going to tend to anybody and I'm all refreshed and energized. So I'm good. That 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 just reminds me, and this was going to sort of set up uh, what sort of episode it's going to be because mm-hmm. I am very low on spoons. And it's definitely, I posted on Facebook, uh, Autism One today. Ooh. Like, you know how parents will say like Autism yep. One today? Oh, yes. oh, oh, Autism one today. Autism not only one, it, it it ran train. So when you talk about how you had a mental day not tending to anything, it reminded me of a meme where it showed like one of those like inspirational quotes where it's like, left let go of the things that don't matter. And it shows like a parent walking away from their kids. It's like, see you in hell, mama. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to cut that out. Yeah. So, <laughs> What's our topic for today? Okay, so our topic for today is, I wanted to talk about, and you know, this actually relates to why I had to sort of just take a day, um, because I have a lot of families that I've been working with over the past few weeks that are having lots of difficulties with um, the school, with family members. And of course I am, I guess their support. And um, it's a lot, it's just a lot. So I wanted to talk about, um, you know, I don't really- The choices. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about the fact that, you know, I'm always, I'm always saying shifting the narrative and, and the things that our children, and I say children, but children, teens and adults, but the things that autistic individuals have to navigate, right, on a daily basis, because this sort of world is not designed for them. But at the same time, I guess I just was thinking about the, the world of parenting, uh, and navigating school and everything else and family is not really designed too well for parents of autistic kids. So let me bring up the one that is probably one that most people know about, but maybe don't have to think about, um, except from their perspective, the school, right? I always say parenting an autistic child is the, the difficult part is not parenting the child. The difficult part is parenting the child with the pressure of school, right? And um, and so maybe this is what, you know, parent pressure, the pressure that parents have and the choices they have to make. So thinking in terms of, you know, parents have to make decisions like, do I keep my child in this classroom? Do I send my child to the school even though... I know they're not doing everything to meet my child's needs, but I have to go to work. Do I fight to get my child to go to another school? Do I move to a place that has better schools? Lots and lots of things that they have to think about, right? If they want their child to have what they need in terms of support in the classroom, and if they are willing to advocate uh, 
for whatever needs to be done for their kiddo to get support. And the the problem is, I mean, I'm I'm almost to the point where I'm like, oh, you know, just forget advocating because adults in the classroom, they're not following directions. I mean, you can advocate and advocate and advocate, which we have to do and we should do, but unfortunately we don't have control over other people and what they do. So um, where do we spend our energy? And so that's one of the things that is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a burden in terms of the choice making of this is not what I had planned, right? And I think earlier before we started recording, I was just, you know, a simple example is a parent has been working in a field and they get an opportunity now that they've worked hard for, and it was one of their goals to get a supervisory position, right? A higher, uh, level in the workplace but they have to decide do i take this position which is what i've been working really hard for it was my goal and it will bring in a little bit more money for my family or do i stay status quo because i've got a really good work schedule it's very flexible i can take my child to therapy you know like so those are the things, and I'm not saying that every other parent doesn't have to think about things, but for a parent of an autistic child, I feel, and, and I think my parents that I work with, there's a sense of urgency, right? So are we gonna let them sit in first, second, third grade with nothing because you know we have to work or there's no other place? Or do we look at it as I need to get them out now? Right. Because the reality is, as the time goes by, time is lost and it's harder to. It's just harder when we don't do it the right way the first time. Does that make sense? Yeah, it no, it makes it, it makes a lot of sense. I don't want to make it kind of sounds like like I think it doesn't. I think it makes perfect sense. I just think it's tough because. Like you said, the example you gave about the, the the job, it's almost a situation where I don't know what to tell somebody like that. Even if I was a caregiver, maybe if I was a caregiver, I'd have a different, I mean, technically I am a caregiver, just not for an mm -hmm. autistic child. I actually, fun fact, I actually am a caregiver, like legitimate. I help care for a disabled relative. Mm -hmm. um, where I I live in the house, I help them with their needs and stuff like that, along with my aunt. So I actually have a little bit of that idea. Where, for example, certain like employment jobs and opportunities, I've had to let go. Mm -hmm. None of them involve being like a manager at a big company, but I've had opportunities that I haven't been able to take advantage of because of my caregiving duties. Mm -hmm. It would keep me out of the house too long. So I wish I had an answer for it, but because I've been kind of sort of in that situation, but, but I don't know. I don't resent caregiving roles. I don't want to make it sound like that. Like, like I, I truly don't. But it definitely was not good for my mental health uh, <laughs> and not having the financial flexibility. And at the age I'm at, I'm 31, not be not checking off the boxes 
that people sort of expect of you, especially as a man, to be able to be at a certain point financially, to be at a certain point in your career, to be pulling in a certain amount of money. So I don't know what to say, but I do kind of understand like the the the, the struggle and the frustration and the sense of missing out. I, I, I do get that part at least a little bit. I think that um you know, from my perspective, from my lens, when I see families having to make these decisions and make tough choices, and when I say tough, it's, you know, uh, most folks are planning, saving, you know, organizing their lives to reach a goal, right? Most folks. Uh, and so when that's kind of derailed, it it's like, okay, I have to make a tough decision because I invested a lot of money in this career or I, you know, just uh, bought a house and I'm in a house in the neighborhood where the schools suck, right? So, oh my gosh, what do I do? Um, all that stuff, right? Life, yes, it happens to everyone at certain times. But I think that for parents who are parenting a neurodivergent kiddo, the sense of urgency and having to shift priorities is ongoing. It never seems to end because whether it's the schools are not supporting you, whether it's now we don't have any services for my teen, whether it's, you know, my child is capable of going to college, but, you know, I don't have. So there's all these, like, it's a constant barrage. It's like, you know, you can't just like get settled because the next developmental stage, you've got other things, right? And so you have to make choices. And I'm not trying to make it seem like, you know, it's a detrimental life. What I wanted to talk about are exactly what I said, I guess, the shifting priorities and shifting priorities when you have a plan that includes a spouse and other children um, or even your family it's a lot because you've been invested in something. And so I think that for, for families having to reprioritize, and I'll tell a story. Let me, let me share a story. And those of you who are, are um, longtime listeners know I'm kind of like, you know, full transparency. I just put it out there. Um, and those of you who are new and maybe you're listening for the first time, <laughs> you quickly figure out I'm sort of just like no holds bar. And sometimes I actually wonder why people call me back. I'm like, I can't believe they call them back, me back. Like I was so blatantly honest with them. But, then, you know, I think sometimes people just need to hear it. Like they must call me because they need someone to, to sort of help. So I, I went into a home and I'm going to tell the story briefly. I'm not going to do it's a lot of details. But the, the, the concept of the story is that I went into a home, a family needed support. And they asked my opinion and said, what do we need to do? And I said, well, um, your daughter needs you and you both work long hours to pay for this gigantic house and those two beautiful fancy cars in the driveway. And she's here and she really needs you, right? So you're going to have to like shift your priorities because that's what needs to be done first because everything else is futile if you don't shift your priorities it's all about your daughter needs more of you so left the home didn't hear from them and I thought well you know everybody makes their own choice about a year later I got a call and she said 
we shifted our priorities, we downsized, we moved, we traded our cars in. My mom's now living with us and we're ready to get to work. And I said, all right. And I went to the house three days a week. Um, and, and I'm not saying they had to sell their house. That was not my input to them. My input to them was you asked me what you needed to do. And what I'm saying is you have to shift your priorities. And I think that they had never thought about that as part of the plan for supporting their daughter, right? Uh, because we feel I need to make sure my child has a nice house. Like, you know, I want a nice car. Like, you know, all the things that we dream of. Um, some people dream of, not everyone. So they shift their priorities. I mean, shifted. I mean, moved, downsized, shifted their priorities. Dad got a job working from home. And it was amazing how their daughter's whole world just changed for the better. And she was able to reach a lot of goals that we had been, um, well, that they had wanted for her um, when she was little. So shifting priorities is hard. It makes us uncomfortable. It brings on judgment, right? Because people say, well, you know, you don't want to give up that house, but, you know, you want to hold on to finding uh, materialistic stuff. And I know I have a different viewpoint on materialistic stuff and, and money, but at the same time, as someone who has uh, experienced a natural disaster that took everything away to the point where I couldn't even go back to my home city, um, you quickly realize, if I hadn't before, that stuff can be taken away, right? And you can replace it. Um, but your children cannot, right? Like in the time and the years that go by. So shifting priorities is kind of what I want to talk about. And I feel like I'm rambling, but the school is one. That's the one where parents have to make these decisions. Do I do inclusion? Is that the best thing? I'm asking other parents. Oh my gosh, I'm not sure. Um, I put them in this. Did I make the right decision? So all of that, trying to figure it out, right? And then changing schools, moving to a district. I had a mom that I knew. She wasn't a client of mine, but I worked with her. She was an advocate. This mom had two, when I met her, her sons were teenagers. She had two teenage sons that were both autistic. She mapped out when they were younger where the best schools were for each level of like grade levels. So when they finished elementary school, she moved to the area where they could go to the best middle school for autistic kids. Then when they were going to high school, she moved to the zone that had the best high school for her kids. So she moved to make sure her kids could attend the school that was doing it well. Now, what did she sacrifice? Not owning her own home right? Because she moved all the time. So she rented. What did she sacrifice? I don't know. Maybe um, not having strong, I don't know, neighbor relations. I have no idea. But she got a lot of flack from family for doing this because people said, you need to get a home. You need to get a home. But her sons just blossomed because they were in a school every year that worked for them because she prioritized them. And, and that is very commendable, right? 
so let me let me just throw it out there. I feel like I'm stretching it out like a a, a Netflix movie that I'm trying to figure out if I like or not if I want to listen to, watch the movie anymore. My my the reason I wanted to talk about parents caregivers who are are actively um, proactively parenting autistic individuals is there are a lot of decisions around what school move don't go to school. There are a lot of decisions around, should I appease my family or just never be invited to the holidays, right? Because I'm standing up for my kid. Should I stay with my spouse who keeps spanking my child for stimming, um, you know, because that wasn't a dynamic of the relationship, right? So they weren't that person that spanks children until the autistic child came into their lives. And now the parent who spanks, um, it doesn't look really nice from the perspective of the other parent. Shifting priorities, and maybe that should be the title of this, you know, parents, because parents have to shift priorities. You have to shift priorities midway through their school. You have to shift priorities when you decide that you're not going to allow family to dog your child, right? Or tell you what to do when you know what works for your kiddo. And making those decisions and shifting your narrative um, to others can be really difficult. And I'm not saying difficult like, oh my gosh, what was me? It's difficult because you, there are a lot of things that, are taken away or removed, whether it's your finances because you move, whether it's family members or friends that don't include you anymore, um, whether it's you don't get to do um, what you want to do. You know, Torn, I work with a lot of families that have, um, they are within a culture of weekly family gatherings, right? Like large family gatherings every weekend. Well, for their autistic kiddo, it's freaking overwhelming, right? To spend an entire Saturday with all of these people, kids and families. And so there are meltdowns because it's a lot. But it's hard for the parents to give up those things because they want to be a part of it. So they have to shift their priorities and sometimes it just looks different. It doesn't mean you don't have to go. Maybe you only go for a little while. It doesn't mean you don't have to go. Maybe you go swap out with your spouse. One of you goes, because, you know, the reality is right now in today's world, it's just hard to get a babysitter. And most people don't live near family because we just live in a different world. So these are things that parents have to shift in regards to prioritizing what is important. And when parents decide their child is the priority, lots of shifting of priorities happens. There's no other way to do it. I mean, even when you have a baby, I know you don't have a baby, but when when anyone has a new baby, you think, lots of people think, oh, I did it before. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. Number one, you're tired. Number two, your baby's going to poop in the diaper. You're not going to be able to make it to uh, wine night at the, I'm 
no, no, you won't. No, you won't. It's not going to work out. You'll try it. It's not going to work out. So you shift things, but shifting makes other people uncomfortable. Therefore, usually the parents are uncomfortable. People question you. They judge you. Um, and, and so battling that is more weight for them to hold while they're already trying to figure out and understand their kiddo, right? Like they can't even like get to that part because they've got all this noise in the background of other people. Um, Cause other people are the problem. The school is the pressure, 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 pressure. I mean, schools are literally dictating what parents should do in their own home with their children and what their children are expected to do when they get into the classroom. And I'm like, when the hell did this happen? This is not how we used to do things. Um, and parents are feeling pressure uh, all the time. Like even something simple as getting your child to school on time. Like if a school knows a child is autistic and struggles with sensory regulation in the morning, there needs to be an accommodation on their IEP to allow them to come in within a certain range that may not be early or allow them to come in after the crazy breakfast time, right? Well, you, you see, Miss Baden, if we allow little Tommy to come in later than the other students, then every other student will then want accommodations. Now, how is that fair to the other students? Well, my initial response is life's not fair. Sometimes life sucks, but life is not fair. Life is not fair. The other part of it is the other children don't care. They don't care. If Bobby has a rubber band around his chair, the other kids don't care if they have a rubber band on the chair, if they don't need it. They don't need it. I've, I've used that scenario with the glasses. So the reality is this. Parents have to make decisions. They have to shift their priorities. They have to um, be uncomfortable. They have to sacrifice a lot, but not in the terms of like, oh my gosh, so many sacrifices. Because when you do that, when you shift your priorities, when you make your child a priority, when you move your things around because it's not a priority, you really don't even think about the sacrifices because you have so much that you're getting with your kiddo, right? So much that you're getting with your kiddo. Um, and sometimes it's hard for parents to see that because it's easier to just stay the course and complain. Just stay the course and complain. So on a serious note, I do feel some sympathy though because, how can I say this? As a society, I hate to say big, like big concepts, concepts like as a society, but as a society, we lie to parents and we lie to people about like how hard parenting actually is mm -hmm. because it's expected that you become a parent. And when you mm -hmm. don't want to, people look at you like, what the hell's wrong? You're like I can turn on mostly, I hate to get political, but mostly conservative media and mm -hmm. Watch for 30 minutes and guarantee within that 30 minutes, there will be some segment about how young people are having kids and how it's destroying the country and how it's awful and how it's selfish and yada, yada, yada. So people are society, societally pressured into getting married and having kids, not told how hard it is, not given the supports for it. It's, it, 
I, I sympathize with them when they're then mentally not prepared for the 20 year long sacrifice, even having a neurotypical child that comes along with it because they're freaking lied to. They're not told it's going to be like that. Like very few people tell them that. Now, granted, a few people who do, they tend to get ignored, but very few people tell them that. And a lot of people, especially if they have kids when they're younger, it's like the same thing with the college loan. Well, they knew how much money they were taking out. No, they didn't because when you're 18, like $100,000, exactly. you know yes. what the number is because you know it's, it's less than 200 grand, more than 50 grand, but you don't yeah. actually have a conceptualization of how much money that is because you've never seen more than 200 in your life. Yeah. So it's the same thing with being a parent, especially as a younger parent, where even if they tell you it, you're not going to be able to conceptualize it because you're barely an adult yourself. Yeah. So I yeah. do have some sympathy for a lot of these parents who make a series of wrong choices and become, they go to the dark side, they become martyr parents because they weren't prepared. Or even older parents like my dad, who just clearly should never have been a parent ever. And I, I almost feel bad for those people because they're pressured into it and they're not equipped. Yeah. And then we're expecting them to suddenly have all of these skill sets that they've never once in their entire lives displayed that they have, or at least in any sort of abundance. And I hate to say it, but I almost feel like it's almost not fair expecting some of these people to present these skills because they, they, they just don't. It's like asking a kid who has never been good at math to 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 pass a to to, to pass a college level algebra exam. It's not going to happen no matter how many times you tell them. I think that you made a really good point in terms of supports. So when parents um, shift their priorities and um, make decisions that people don't agree with because it's not the normative decision, for lack of a better term, uh, those parents are isolated and they don't get support. But guess who gets lots of support? Martyr moms. Oh, my gosh. Martyr, if you go on any social media group, if you post something positive and, oh, you know, blah, 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 a couple of people, but if you do the woe is me and the martyr mom and, oh, you know, it's like soldiers in, in combat. I'm like, that's so disrespectful to soldiers in combat, right? Um, I'm not saying it's not hard work. I do not BS my parents. I say it is hard work. And I tell anyone before they have a baby, parenting is freaking exhausting and it's 24 seven and it doesn't stop. That's why Oprah has dogs. She recognized, I don't want to work that damn hard, right? I want to work on other stuff. So parenting is exhausting. It's a lot. And if you... That's why those, those, there's, there are a couple of uh, moms that went on like, I don't know, YouTube or something. And they do this, this, these talks over the kitchen counter of, you know, oh my gosh, parenting and my kids. And I got to, you know, this whole thing. Oh my gosh. Everybody loves it. That's why we all watch reality TV. Cause we just love the trauma and the, the brawls and the fighting over, I mean, we just relish in it. So my point is parents who are doing the work, shifting their priorities, making decisions in the best interest of their child that may not appear to make sense to other people. 
don't get support. But martyr moms do. Martyr moms get support like you would not believe. I mean, people. So, so the lesson y'all need to take away from this is that you need to be a martyr mom, then people will help you. Yes, that's it. Yep, that's pretty much it. That's it. And imagine, imagine how, or or thinking about human instinct. Why would you not go where you're going to get more support? Right, because the other route is is hard. You're already exhausted, and now you're shifting your priorities. And 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 I know we're making light of this, but trying to be serious. No, about no, it. we're being dead serious. If you're a martyr yeah. mom, people are more likely to help. You. Oh, it's oh, sad, no, definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely that. But in terms of, you know, I wanted to bring this topic up because I don't think that. When it comes to shifting the narrative on everything autism, right? That's what we're trying to do. So shifting the narrative on everything autism includes not, it includes not only everybody understanding the autistic individual, but you need to understand why the parents are doing what they're doing or why they're asking you to do what they do or why they're not coming to your house. And I don't think that people understand it. And so I think if we're going to shift the narrative around inclusivity, is that a word? Then- I'm pretty sure inclusivity is a word. If we're going to, I've been making up a lot of words lately, so I had to check. Um, it is, it's, oh gosh, see, now I just lost my train of thinking, but I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna come back. You were saying we need to work on, to work on inclusivity, we need to not yes. just be able to talk to parents, but for- yes about to talk to the people in the parents' ecosystem. Yes. Oh, you said that so well. Exactly. Because think about it. How can we shift the narrative on everything autism if we're not accepting parents who are parenting differently, right? Like, you know what everybody says to, well, you just need to spank him and make him sit down and he'll do it. You know, and that's what parents hear, right? Or um, the schools, right? Well, you know, um, you're just coddling him by allowing him to get up and move his body when he when he wants. You know, those are the kind of things that that happen. And so, with that barrage, that that's a barrier to us shifting the narrative on everything autism because everything autism is the autistic child but while they are a minor they're in the care of parents whatever form that is um you know caregivers and so we have to understand their perspective and we have to shift our narrative about how we talk about the decisions that they make and what they're doing and you know i think the one that breaks my heart the most is specifically my moms who have to make decisions around not staying with dad because dad doesn't want to get on board. Dad just wants to fix it, spank it out of them. Dad wants things to, you know, dad can't see past, you know, the seventies, right? Like, well, this is what I did when I was young. Okay. So things are different. If someone says some variation of it worked for me or I turned out fine, it, it it did not, in fact, work when they were young. They did not, in fact, turn out okay. Yes, 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 yes. Parents have to make a decision to dismantle their family in order to save their child's mental welfare, right? 
Um, yes, that is what needs to be done because that's what needs to be done. But it's still a lot, right, to have to make that decision. The reality of that is very overwhelming when they're, you know, parents are already, you know, trying to navigate this autism therapy school society thing. Um, and then the other thing is, I also want to bring up parents who are making decisions, uh, sacrifices, whatever you want to call it. There are lots of families where the, usually the mom, but I'm overgeneralizing, but one parent will get a small apartment in a city that has the school and the therapy services for the child because it's not available where they live. And the dad stays at the home front and mom and the autistic child just go home on the weekends because the child needs to have therapy and there's no therapy where they live, right? Uh, so parents have had to make sacrifices. One of the other things, and, and I don't talk about this a lot because it's so long ago, I think things have gotten a little bit better. But when I started this journey 20 something years ago, I had parents that were getting legally divorced. They were still a couple, but getting legally divorced so that mom could apply for Medicaid because the private insurance would not cover therapy. So that's a serious decision to make so that your child gets what they need. And and, and I respect that, just like how legally taxes. Did you just say that? <laughs> Recording. That can be submitted to evidence. <laughs> gosh, Jordan, I just love you so much. <laughs> gosh. Okay. All right. So back to, because I'm trying to like focus, because I don't want, this is what I want from this episode. I am all about shifting the narrative around everything autism. And part of that shift is society has to support parents and understand why parents are making the decisions they're making, just like we have to support our children and understand why they need to have all the shoes lined up or all the doors closed. Um, and I say that because I literally, it's probably one of the reasons I had to take a mental health day. I had the longest, most useless conversation with a therapist who- Those are all my not, conversations with therapists. Uh, could not understand why, just let him close the doors. Like, why do you care if he closes all the cabinet doors? Like, what is wrong with you that you feel a necessity to make this child not need to close the doors? Let him close the doors. She just thought that was letting him do whatever he wants to do. Oh my gosh, her need for control was driving me crazy. So just like we, you know, I, we're trying to get everybody to, to understand for the kiddos, um, you know, we have to give some grace to the parents. I'm not saying that we have to let people wallow and, and oh my gosh, feel sorry for people. You know, don't say, oh, I'm so sorry that you have an autistic child. No, that's not what we want. We want support. Like, hey, you know what? I noticed that you have been really, like, this is what I think would be a great scenario for a family with an autistic child. Whether this be a neighbor saying this or a family member or a friend, I don't really care. 
to say, you know what, I realize that you are really, really busy trying to like make sure your child gets to therapy. I know you've been working really hard trying to make sure that you, you know, keep your job with the hours because that's the therapy's paid for. So you know what, I would like to maybe make dinner for your family once a week or give me a Starbucks gift card so that you can pick up Starbucks to get through the day while you're sitting in therapy. Like those things to me are simple ways that we can support families who are navigating this journey of parenting autistic kiddos, not feel sorry for them, but figure out how you can support them. Uh, and little things go a long way. They really, really do. So that's what I wanted to get across to the listeners is part of shifting the narrative is shifting how we respond to parents. And it's also part of parents shifting their priorities because if you're going to shift your narrative around autism, you're going to have to shift a lot. And shifting priorities is always first. You have to shift priorities. You can't I, I don't have, you know, I don't research base. Somebody might have an article or somebody maybe said, and I can just say from watching parents and lived experience with my air quotes that. You see, we're losing our train of thought a lot because it is currently 1.20 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We were supposed to record earlier today in the afternoon like normal people, but as I said earlier, autism won today. And I just I, I just couldn't I couldn't get my shit together. <laughs> I'm just being honest. So now we're recording at 1 a.m. So I'd like to apologize. I am not editing this out. On, on, on a serious note, this is part of autism. Is sometimes things don't go as you plan. Sometimes yes. we had an episode which I think never got released called Autism Doesn't Run on a Schedule. Where we talked we about how that. we did. Because I know we, we recorded that. it and then it didn't come out. We've had so many episodes I've lost track. Basically, it happens and that you can't plan. So this is this is one of those things. And that does play into this where part of shifting your narrative and part of the choices, you could say sacrifices. I like to say choices has less than a negative connotation. Part of the choices you have to make is being able to accept that happens and being able to be flexible and working around happening. So, you know, you just said, I don't like to say sacrifices. I think one of my new pet peeves is how we keep changing words to make things sound so much better which takes away from the fact that it really is crappy. We, we've always done that, though. It's called marketing. It's like how they'll say something is $19.99 instead of $20 because they found that it makes it seem cheaper. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. No, totally, totally get it. I get it. I just don't. It just bothers me because I'm like, why not just call it what it is? Like, um, it's a sacrifice. Like it's a sacrifice. And what's wrong with saying you have a sacrifice? Like, is it bad to have a sacrifice? Like, why do we have to? Because sacrifices suck. Choices are, are are something that has like that personal responsibility connotation, and it's seen as a good thing. It's like self improving. It's creating something better. Sacrificing is like losing something. You know? Yeah, and sometimes you lose stuff like a job promotion because you have to bring your child to therapy and you can't commit to traveling. Um, those, those are choices, Stacey, choices. 
We uh, use we gosh. use happy we use happy words on this podcast. Okay. We use happy words like mother. <laughs> I re- this just reminded me uh, of after I mentioned Hurricane Katrina, after uh, Hurricane Katrina and displaced, and my job was gone, and I got a call, and this school in California had me come out and do this like week long intervention training uh, for this individual kiddo, and I went back a few uh, months later and they offered me a position to do this like throughout the school year, right? Like once a month, can you come in? And I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I would want to do, right? This is so awesome. But I said, I can't. I have two children that just lost everything and they need me to be here so we can readjust when we move back. and I don't want to not be there when they get home from school because I became a speech therapist that worked in the school so I could be with my kids. And it was a buttload of money. Like from an educator perspective, always working in the classrooms for a school district um, as a speech therapist, to have like, you know, a per diem and all your expenses paid and then make a ton of money in one week. I was like, whoa, this is exactly what I'd love to do. But I didn't because I wanted to be a certain, I knew what I wanted to be in, in regards to what kind of mom I want, not what kind, but how I wanted to be a mom to my kids. And it did not include me traveling often. So I didn't take it. And still think about it but But, it didn't take but i i need to explain what you just said to me but explain it in a way that focuses on how it was your kid's fault that you lost an opportunity (laughs) well first of all uh from the words and the mouths of my um really good friend uh kids ruin everything i mean that's literally like what they say all the time and they say it jokingly but you know, they throw up on your clothes, they, you know, uh, wake you up in the middle of the night, you know, technically, uh, I guess they're right, but... I mean, I mean, so the, so the cats, so there's that. That's why Oprah has dogs. <laughs> I remember the show when Oprah said, I will never have children. It just seems like a lot of work. I remember that. I remember it like as clear as day. She was like, no, I'm choosing not to parent. And I love when people choose not to parent because parenting is exhausting. And a lot of people are parenting that don't want to be parenting because pressure from family says you have to procreate. The, the thing I'll say before we get going, because we're up against time, is obviously I was being facetious when I said explain that, for, but blame your kids for it. But big issue, a lot of autism parents, not probably anyone who listens to this podcast for any length of time, but people who don't listen to this podcast, so maybe they should, they blame their kids for these choices or sacrifices or whatever you want to call it that they have to make as if it's the kid's fault. Yeah. And so many, that is that is the core of the murder mom. Like, we, we, yeah. we, we make a lot of jokes about murder moms, but as its core, at its core, it's Blaming your autistic child for things they can't help for why your life is, I wouldn't even say harder, just different. 
than someone with a more neurotypical kid, maybe harder. They blame the kid for it. Yeah. And that's the number one thing to avoid. Even sometimes it may get hard and we make jokes like kids ruin everything. They wake you up in the middle of the night to throw up on your clothes. But yes. it's important not to blame the kids because kids pick up on that. Yeah. As a child who got blamed for everything that went wrong, and there was a lot of stuff because my mom suffered from severe mental illness. My dad was a drug addict. So between the two of them, a lot of stuff went wrong and I got blamed for all of it. It was all your fault, even though they were like that before you came into school. I got blamed for my mom dying. Oh. So as as someone who, who experiences that, I can tell you uh, it's not good for kids' mental health yes. and their uh, future mental health as they become adults. So. With all these choices you have to make, try to keep in mind why you do it and try to remind yourself that it's not the kid's fault. It's not yeah. their fault that you're in this situation having to make these choices. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the child's fault that they live in a place where the schools suck and they don't want to appreciate um, the supports that, that their kiddo needs. Um, so this is what I'm going to end with. I'm going to end with my words that I give to families. And I'm gonna just say it in a scenario. A lot of times when my my parents have to make a shift in their priorities, right? Uh, it's hard because it's already been ingrained on the, this is the track that we're going, right? Are we making the right? I'm not sure. I'm, well, we should wait. And I always say to them, you can make, whatever decision you think is best for your family. I'm just supporting you and giving you um, guidance, right? Um, informative guidance. However, you need to prepare for how you're going to respond when your child at some point in their lives, whether it's 18, whether it's 23, whether it's 12, communicates to you in whatever way they communicate and asks you, why didn't you fight to make sure I got what I needed? Why did you let me sit in that class when you knew that lady was yelling at me all day? Just get your answer ready, right? Because they're going to ask because they're aware, like you said, that no one's helping them. Um, I just, I was just telling, uh, I think, I, I don't know if I posted it. I think I did. I posted it where I said, if a child is crying and screaming and you have to literally physically pull them out of the car to go into a classroom and to go into a therapy clinic that child is communicating to you this place is not safe and I need someone to help me and when you don't help them as their parent and you keep throwing them to the lions you're going to have to answer as to why you did that and why you didn't shift your priority so they didn't have to be thrown to the lions and then when you get that call, to... I, I might have to cut that out. <laughs> That's dark as fuck. I might have to cut that. Is it too dark? Well, you know, the, it's, but this is the thing, Torin. It's, it's not dark because it's the reality. And I think that's why, you know, we do this podcast and, and, and why I do what I do is because I don't want I keep saying, I don't want the next generation of autobiographies by autistic individuals to be about the same shit. 
that we know we're not supposed to be doing? Why are we pulling children out of the car to go to school? I mean, what? I mean, if I, there are people who get up every day and don't want to get out of the car in the parking lot to go into the office, but these are grownups. They can figure out other ways. And, and yes, that requires um, making changes, but our children are looking up to us. Children are looking up to their parents, their caregivers for support, for help. And that means you have to shift your priorities. You just do. Yes, it's uncomfortable. And when parents tell me, oh my gosh, I can't believe for five years, you know, but everybody kept telling me this is what, I mean, it felt wrong, but everybody kept telling me, I feel so guilty. And you know what I say? Do it now. Maybe you can salvage something from their mental health. And this is really about our kids and our autistic teens and adults. And Stacy, that's why we're working to hit the narrative on everything autism. See ya.